Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Neon Gods by Katie Roberts. It was published in 2021 and is the first in the Dark Olympus series. So I did not know what to expect here. Meg and I did not do a lot of talking about it before she put it on the schedule. And I was very surprised in a lot of ways. So I was telling Meg before we started officially recording that I am actually really excited about this conversation. It's a deviation from our usual fare. Yeah, it it certainly is. <laughs> but we don't want to deviate from our usual formula. So let's start with the book jacket. He was supposed to be a myth. But from the moment I crossed the river Styx and fell under his dark spell, he was, quite simply, mine. Society darling Persephone Dimitriou plans to flee the ultra-modern city of Olympus and start over far from the backstabbing politics of the 13 houses. But all that's ripped away when her mother ambushes her with an engagement to Zeus, the dangerous power behind their glittering city's dark facade. With no options left, Persephone flees to the forbidden Undercity and makes the devil's bargain with a man she once believed a myth. A man who awakens her to a world she never knew existed. Hades has spent his life in the shadows, and he has no intention of stepping into the light. But when he finds that Persephone can offer a little slice of the revenge she spent years craving, it's all the excuse he needs to help her. For a price. Yet every breathless night spent tangled together has given Hades a taste for Persephone, and he'll go to war with Olympus itself to keep her close. A modern retelling of Hades and Persephone that's as sinful as it is sweet. <laughs> I could, I could have, I thought it was good. Could have done without the final sentence. Yeah, I actually forgot it was there, which is then why I tried to say it in unison with you, because I was like, ah, shit. The only thing I'll say is I often like when the summaries, like, echo the voice of the jacket. Mm-hmm. But with the exception of the first sentence, everything's in third person when the book is in first. Yes. And I guess that it's a summary, and like, but I don't think the writing style is at all similar beyond the first line. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. It reminds me a little bit of the the Edwardian vampire novel that we read because the book jacket was all in the first person. And yes. Then, and then the story itself was like normal historical romance, third person. Uh, be Mine Tonight. Yes, Be Mine Tonight. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, so like I don't hate the summary as like it, it sort of misrepresents his motives but in a way that I'm totally fine with for the purposes of a jacket yeah so as usual we generated a random number and wrote our own summaries using that number as the word count and this week the random number we generated between 1 and 50 was 49 so we have a lot to work with here yeah I think both of us went with a summary and then also like a mini review <laughs> Yeah, I think that we often do that when it's this long, unless we have something really fucking funny we want to try to pull off. And we just weren't, I guess, inspired. So what was your 49-word summary, Meg? Well, here it is. What would happen if the underworld Hades ruled wasn't the land of the dead, but rather the land of the slightly lower SES, dissident artists and free thinkers? 
The world veiling is a little scant, but the mythological references, the scars, and Hades' sex club can make up for a lot. All right. Uh, very similar themes. Very similar. The fickle will of the gods translated to the machinations of shallow and political humans is an amazing concept, as is Hades' Persephone translated into a fake-ish relationship with a sex bargain with Dungeon. I was let down by the plot, world-building, the anticlimactic final showdowns, uh, and Persephone's empowerment. <laughs> Let's talk about I feel like we have a lot to talk about. That's what happens when we have a hundred words between the two of us, 98, when sometimes we have like six. That's <laughs> very true. So the tropes, I mean, there's, there's fake relationship. They, they enter into a transactional relationship, I guess, right? So the goal is like any other fake relationship. She's fled the city after the surprise engagement to Zeus has been thrust upon her as indicated in the book jacket. And when she gets to... Hades world. The the undertown. The undertown. They discuss the fact that what both of them want more than anything is revenge on Zeus. They both agree that one of the best ways to pull that off would be for Hades to defile her. And right. Hades' rebuttal to Persephone's plan is there's no way in hell that we're going to be able to pull this off like to say I'm having sex with you and to say you're in all these kinky things if you're not actually doing it and she's like okay cool then I'll do it she's like great this is the fake relationship with benefits so the right like the they were emotionally attached before she fled the narrative they're selling about them having feelings for each other when they enter into it is supposed to be fake it never actually is, but they commit from the very beginning that the physical aspects of their relationship will not be, which obviously makes it very different from a historical. Yep. So, which leads us to the next trope, which is the sex bargain trope. Yes. We'll because there, obviously, there have to be terms, right? Right. So the terms of this sex bargain are he's real kinky and he makes it clear to her. Well, that's what he says. I have some issues with the execution there. Um, but that she has to participate in his usual fare, including so that the people from Olympus know and believe that she's participating. And her side of the bargain is, but it's three months long, and then I get the fuck out of Olympus. Yes, exactly. She, Which, I mean, we have to, we really do have to get into all the parallels. I'm going to leave that until later, but... I thought some of it worked really well and some of it worked not so well. Completely agree. And then we obviously have to add to the sex bargain part, especially when it comes to quote unquote kink, the actual discussion of what will and will not be permissible to her. Yes. And I understand conceptually, not that I've ever participated in it to understand actually that like whenever sex is involved, Obviously, consent's important, and when kink is involved, very explicit consent, getting into detail is very important. That said, it's hilarious to me that it kind of goes down the same way in every book, and I don't know if it's because that's the way it goes down in real life, or if because, like, every author read it from one person and kind of copied, and that's just the way it's been depicted in literature. Anyone who's, like, actually into kink, let us know if this sort of 
experienced person giving a total rundown in a very clinical way with like yes and no check boxes <laughs> to oh. uh, the person being indoctrinated as normal. Yes, like a, a la. I mean, it was the the over the top part, of course, is Christian Gray and Anna, whatever her name is. Well, uh, that's because it's like a, an actual contract. Right. It's an actual contract that's like three billion pages long and replicated like on the page. <laughs> <laughs> it's a chapter. Yeah. OK. Uh, another Trump. Sunshine Grump, which translates so well to Hades Persephone. Right. Yeah, the only thing that I kind of felt was a little bit of a letdown here is that the sunshine for her was fake. Uh, see, I kind of liked it a, like a lot. <laughs> okay, so we 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 have to talk about it. It's very interesting. And then Hades, of course, is he's a bad boy, right? He's the baddest mm-hmm. of all bad boys. But. Total cinnamon roll who really just isn't good at being close to people and has never had people. He's a sad, tragic orphan, which is a, so one of the things, obviously, if you're super into Greek gods and goddesses, like six of the pantheon members are siblings, including Zeus, Hades, Poseidon, Hera, um, and Demeter, I think. Uh, I'm forgetting one, which who's the other girl, three girls and three boys. Athena. No, Athena's Zeus's daughter, Aphrodite's from the sea. Multiple different stories about her parentage. Uh, maybe Hestia? Anyway. Um, obviously, Hades being a sad, tragic orphan because Zeus killed his parents, you know. Zeus did kill his parents, but they were Zeus's parents, too. And they only killed their father, not their mother. So... Um, that was an interesting, like, twist on all of it. There isn't the same level of, like, incestuousness between the different gods. Yeah, it's it's definitely more of a metaphorical incestuousness. Yes. So, it, it's, it, it, well, we, ha- we really have to talk about it, because I think it's the most interesting aspect of the book. Definitely. Um, so, one of the ways that you know that um, Hades is not as bad as you think he is, is her comfort trope. Mm-hmm. So Persephone hurts herself pretty badly fleeing to the undertown. And he literally bathes and bandages her feet in addition to other care stuff. The weird reverse Jesus stuff was a little odd. <laughs> I mean, there's there's that. There's also, you know, let's play up the grunt part because she's all, no, I can do this on my own. And he's like, no, you sit down and let me wash your feet. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so he, he's got sex room, which I think is a trope at this point. He's got a sex room. Yes. In his like Victorian fucking cottage. (laughs) Yes. And Um, then, yes, you, you talk about this final trope. Oh, okay. I was going to, so there's a scene where she shocks him by not wearing any underwear. And I feel like this point is like almost as ubiquitous as I'm hungry, but not for food. <laughs> right. Like, it can be in the background of literally any sex book of any genre, and you're like, yep, recognize that. Yep. He's also you... super scarred. Yes. And doesn't want her to see his body, which is a yes. trope. And it's it's not just her, because Hades' sex room is like an exhibitionist sex room. Mm-hmm. Not a private red room of pain. 
a la Christian Grey. I know I keep bringing him up, but it's like, you know, that's the, the reference point at these days. But his sex room is like a theater sex mm-hmm. room. And um, even though he takes part, he's always like fully clothed. Yes. Except for his dick. Right? I'm sorry. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but of course, you find out later, Trope, that the reason he won't expose his body is a woman previously handled it poorly and he now expects everyone will. All right. Should we get into a little bit more of the meat of this book? Yes. So let me just get it out of the way. I have spoken. I've gone on record, I think, several times saying that I really dislike first person present tense. This book is written in first person present tense. Uh, It does switch between chapters and each chapter. At the beginning of the chapter, you get the title of whose perspective you're reading from. So it's either Hades. Persephone but then it's first person present tense the full time and it's usually something that I like absolutely hate and just really takes me out of the narrative I found it tolerable here I thought her writing was good enough the characters were differentiated enough for me that I thought it it worked okay it's still never going to be my favorite thing but I didn't hate it Honestly, the specific way it was done here, again, Meg and I did not spend a lot of time talking about this before I just dove right in. I was expecting this to be young adult. Mm-hmm. I, this is a writing style I really associate with young adult. For better or for worse, I think the author's prose was pretty young adult. Um, and I thought the characters were very well differentiated from each other, even if I didn't necessarily think they were always in character, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so so because of it, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is a young adult book. And I was texting one of my best friends who's like obsessed with the Pantheon. And I was like, I think, and we, I just gone to visit her and we spent a lot of time framing our New Year's resolutions as Greek gods. Anyway, uh, so it was just very well timed. So I texted her and I was like, hey, I think you might like this young adult. I'll let you know how it goes. And then about 20% in the sex negotiation start. And I said to text, I was like, not young adult, not young adult. Those public sex is being brought up right now and it is clearly going to happen. So, like, I, I don't hate first person as much as Meg does. I definitely associate it with a very specific writing style and this threw me for a loop. <laughs> I mean, you have to I don't know, know if I bought Hades as a, I, I don't know if I bought Hades as a 34-year-old man. I, you know... The older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, that works. Fair. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds terrible, but I'm like, oh, now I, now I get it. Now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so let's talk about the mythology, because I think that's, that's the big thing. So I'm going to be honest. I'm interested in Greek and Roman mythology, It is something that I'm familiar with, and I would say, you know, I know in broad strokes the mythology. Um, I was a literature major. I have two degrees in literature. And, of course, if if you read any literature, you have to know the myths. That said, I have not read them recently, and they were never anything that was, like, my favorite. So I don't think at any point in my life I could have just listed the 13, (laughs) the Pantheon. I just couldn't have listed them off. Well, some of that is 
that the Pantheon was never really fixed. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're even like committing to a 13 here is like, okay. That's fair though, you know? No, it just, it changed over time. It depends on the city. And you're probably getting from this that I have been more familiar with the Greek gods and goddesses more recently than Meg. I recently finished Stephen Fry's first, first mythos book. Yes. Um, because I love him and I am really interested in the Greek gods and goddesses, uh, partially because I like crossword puzzles and they come up all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's very helpful. So, uh, but, but yeah, I have kind of done a, a quick refresher on it relatively recently. Yes. So I, that was kind of lucky for reading this. Yes. I will say my most recent encounter with the Greek myths was I actually went to an, an opera showing and they did selections from two operas. They did Gluck's Orpheus and they did um, Offenbach's uh, Orpheus in Hell. Or, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, Orpheus in the Underworld, I think is how the translation goes, which are two completely different, amazing operas um, that are not, you know, standard at all. So that's been my most recent encounter with the Greek gods. <laughs> okay, so it was an opera retelling. Got it. Yes. I yes. don't think I know that opera. So that that's this is me reaching for a frame of reference. Yes, I... I for anyone listening and for you Tulane, if you are ever interested in like a really hilarious opera, check out Orpheus in the Underworld. I cannot tell you how amazing it was. It's basically like, it's not this, but it's the similar idea of, of what this book was written in yeah. the early, late 18th, late uh, 19th century, early 20th century. It's really good. Okay. Okay, done. <laughs> So one of my favorite things right off the bat, and I mean this sincerely, like you have to let go of some of the parallels, right? Just for this story to work. So obviously Hades is overseer of the underworld. His denizens are not happy in Greek mythology. Like some of them are fine. Hades isn't hell, but it's all of the afterlife. Yes. So it's, there are people being punished. There are people who are happy. Like there isn't, the fact that Hades was this like benevolent god king whose people were all like living much better lives than anyone could ever imagine, and he was this adored and revered figure by all was so funny. Yes. So in this one, the which is what I pointed out in my summary, the underworld, right? Is not you don't you don't die and go there. Basically, if Zeus gets pissed off at you and kicks you out of his part of Olympus then the only place you have left to go is the underworld, which mm-hmm. <laughs> and Hades takes care of his people. He, so Hades is kind of like that mafia boss who takes care of his people, right? That is a very apt comparison. Except he's not really a mafia boss. <laughs> he's nicer than a mafia boss. Is he? I mean, a little bit. Um, yeah, so so I actually, the concept more than anything else is what I loved. There were a couple of places where I quibbled with it, especially the ending, but I don't want to spoil it. But so just a couple of things. They talk about her going to Berkeley and New York City. I thought all the random references to real world places uh, really read like fan fiction. Yeah. Like, I didn't think that needed to be there. Like, clearly the fact that they had cell phones and the internet kept us in the modern day without talking about the wider world ex- oh, this exists within. Yeah. And I mean, it talked about people leaving Olympus. I 
I agree with you. I think it would have been better to talk about how, like, not, not specific places. Yeah. It's just more like, well, this person isn't in Olympus anymore. They're in the outside world. And then that was it, you know? So, like, you know yeah. there's an outside world that you can escape to, but you don't really know much more than that, maybe, right? And, and that Olympus resembles a much more militarized, hierarchical presence. Yeah. Without, because I, part of what made it so weird when they talked about the magic preventing you from crossing the river Styx or making it difficult to read Olympus, all of that being in the same page where she mentions Berkeley is really weird. Yeah. Like I would have been a lot, I would have been a lot happier hand waving away the magic if this hadn't been set in the real world. I think the fact well, that it's set in the real world, suddenly I need you to explain the magic a little bit. Well, exactly. That's my point. That's why I'm saying that the world building was, just very slim yes you know there there wasn't I agree with you you either have to be so vague that you're just like oh, okay there's magic right or you have to really go into detail and and she didn't do either one so yeah that was it's sort of like the way Bridgerton dealt with race yes yeah Pick one <laughs> <laughs> right. I will say I thought it was super interesting one of the things that I'm really enjoying is about how the 13, so the Pantheon, and then their entourage are sort of like the celebrities of Olympus. And mm -hmm. so they've got Instagram and they they have public personas that they, they take to be more popular or to, you know, to hide how they actually feel about the other people that they have to live with. Yeah. I thought it was, I really liked that personally. I thought it was super No, I did too. I thought the like celebutants exactly. element of Persephone was really fun. Yes. And I mean, so so in the story, Persephone is one of four sisters. And you know, they're definitely <laughs> she just plucked some names and she's like, okay, it's gonna be Persephone, which who is Demeter's daughter. Great. But then she's like, let's also throw in Callisto and Eurydice and Psyche. Well, and it was fun because, like, she tried to keep some elements of them. Like, Eurydice is obsessed with a musician, yes. and she's his muse, L-O-L-O-L-O-L. Yep. But clearly her relationship to Persephone and Demeter was a bit of a stretch. Right. Exactly. But that's okay. Like, that part didn't bother me. No, 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 that part didn't bother me either. Right? I'm like, that's cool. Like, fine. Pick Callisto and Eurydice. <laughs> Why not? Fun sisters, go for it. Right. Um, I really liked. I really liked how she she did. So it's not a faithful retelling of Hades and Persephone, right? But she did pick some really interesting parts of the myth that you know some of them change over time. So like Demeter decides, I'm just gonna. She decides to starve the Undercity, right? In the real myth, she decides to starve everyone. <laughs> She's just like... Well, it's not so much to decide. It's her, like, her grief prevents anything from growing. Right. Persephone's also stuck down there during winter. Yes. Their safe word is pomegranate. Like, there are a lot of little... It reminded me a lot of the beginning of Elizabeth Boyle's Rhymes with Love. Yeah. And, oh, the one we read that was a Snow White. The, yeah, yeah, um... Any Duchess will do. No, it's not any Duchess will do. A Duchess a day. 
I got you today. Like some of we've read a couple of versions where like it's not a straight up Beauty and the Beast retelling where you know she's a down on her luck, well to do, bookish sort, and he's a monster who lives as a recluse. Like these are a lot more ambiguous, pulling elements from the story, and it's fun to see where things tie in. Yeah, exactly. I I thought it was super fun, and then I also really liked. I liked the fake relationship aspect. So obviously Persephone was not kidnapped. That's the story that Zeus is putting around. You know, right. he's he's making some noise that um, Persephone was kidnapped, but she's like, yeah, I wasn't kidnapped, no. But you would see how the story that we know today could have come into existence if you look at it from a different perspective. So that sure. I, I really, I really liked that part. I was like, this is really cool. So she did some really cool things with the mythology. Yeah, there was, I think I would have done, could have done without, as we previously discussed, the references to the modern day and other places. And the, one of the scenes that bothered me was the naming of the puppies. Yeah. And because they get dogs and I like, I was totally fine when he was like the first one Cerberus. It's like, Oh, cool. This is how he gets Cerberus. But then she picks two other names that are figures in Greek mythology. And then they joke about how weird the names are. And it's like, what are you doing here? Like this works when it's more subtle. Yeah. I mean, they got three dogs and if she couldn't tell them apart, so she called them all Cerberus. Okay. Yes, exactly. You know, but picking other figures from mythology and being like, "Oh, where did these random names come from?" IDK. (laughs) Yeah. So, I think on the whole, it worked and was fun. There were some places that were a little yeah. So the one place I thought it really didn't work was the end. Uh-huh. And again, I don't want to spoil it. And I don't mean the end of Hades and Persephone necessarily. But the ending with the feuding between the gods and the way they resolve that and the the final decision, the compromise she makes, mm-hmm. to me, did not parallel real, like the, the actual myth close enough. Yeah. One of the things I thought was really a very interesting choice was the character of Demeter, actually. Yeah. I was, I have no problems with what she did with it. I think it was very original. And I think it's really interesting because she has the, really the two parts of like that mother archetype, right? Which is the the really loving, wonderful, nurturing mother. Mm-hmm. But then also the mother knows best just do what I tell you. I've got everything under control. You don't need to, right? You don't need to think. Right. <laughs> just do what mother tells you. I don't. I thought it was a really interesting choice. Maybe one of my favorite parts of the book. Well, and I also loved how different members of the 13 were put into power in different ways. Yeah. And this is one of those moments where like, I really needed the outside world not to exist. Right. Because, like, Zeus is hereditary. Poseidon's hereditary. Hades is hereditary. Demeter is elected. Ares wins by combat. And I kind of want to be like, well, how is Aphrodite get put in power? Well, you're going to find out in the next book. Oh, my God. So we're reading the next one, guys. Spoiler alert. Do you want me to tell you how she gets in power? Yeah. I I can't imagine this is that big a spoiler. It's not. The previous Aphrodite chooses her and then grooms the person. Okay. 
That is better than what I was imagining. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, damn it, Meg, are you going to make me read a book about a sex off? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but Katie Roberts, if you're listening, be your next one. <laughs> well, it's not Aphrodite, the new. Not Aphrodite. Um, I, who knows? Who knows? I need, I need to like bone up on my Greek <laughs> Greek myth, of, and then I can tell you which one. Well, you have mythos if you want to read it. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> All right. Um, so the only other thing I want to say in overall quality, one, this was so fucking fun. And you guys <laughs> know that's one of our favorite words. Like, looking for the parallels in Greek myths, but even the story itself with the weird, like, there's a lot of sex. And I think we'll talk about that in sexiness, but the sex is really the relationship. Like this is a sex book. And I think like a lot of books that pass off as kinky, there are some scenes that like, if you're into voyeurism are kinky, but a lot of what's alluded to never happens. And in fact, most of the sex scenes are very like them falling in love. Yeah. So it is certainly not like out of the romance wheelhouse. Um, that said, the plot is a mess. Like, you do not understand why all the other gods have let people believe Hades is dead when they all clearly know he's alive. Right. Like, you have, it does not make any sense. Hades, weird. I'm just not okay killing people now that she knows I kill people. Like, a lot of, like, the entire final showdown makes zero sense. Like, the, you are not reading this for the plot. The relationship between Persephone and Hades is fun as fuck. And I say that very specifically, but if you're actually looking for a real payoff in like the way this adapts the Pantheon, you're not going to get that. Yeah. But you're going to have a lot of fun. If, even if you're not like super familiar with the myths, if you're familiar with Greek myths, you're going to have so much fun just like looking you're like, oh, that's where that's from. And that's goes here. I don't know. It's just really fun. Yeah. Uh, is there, are there any content warnings that we need to talk about? I mean, obviously the actual Greek mythos is full of them. Yes. And I think Katie Roberts goes out of her way to make sure that everything that's on the page is consensual. Um, it's talked about even the disturbing stuff. I'm not, there's nothing disturbing that goes on between Hades and Persephone. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there are some references to sexual assault. Um, Persephone is targeted for, we're, we're not really sure what, if it's going to be sexual assault or just physical assault, but she's chased through the city. Well, and Zeus is portrayed as a bluebeard. Yes. So string of mysteriously dead wives behind him. Her sister, Eurydice, is terrorized and chased and Made, like hurt mm-hmm. physically assaulted in the process um so yeah there, there isn't any like on-page rape or anything but the mythos is problematic and katie roberts doesn't make it sunshine yeah i mean it's it's called dark olympus and olympus is already pretty dark guys if you have like actually read those myths <laughs> i mean it's fine zeus just turns into a swan to rape a lady so one of her twins is his and the other is immortal it's fine you know that's how it works (laughs) okay let's talk about sexiness which is um 
big part of this book. Yeah, well, this is a sex book. And I know we say that sometimes about historical romances. Like, no, this is like meant to be a kink book. Yes. They are having, they're talking about having sex. The first 20% establishes the world, their relationship, whatever. The next 70% is their relationship and them sticking up to Zeus. And all of that is sex. Yes. Now, you know that I am really into it when women basically choose their own ruination. (laughs) So, of course, I really like that part. I think for me, one of the funniest parts is because, of course, as Lane said, you have to negotiate all the sex stuff before you do it. Um, hope I guess in real life, may, maybe in real life, but definitely in a sex book, a kinky sex book, you got to negotiate it. So he's like, I don't think you're going to be comfortable with this. And she's like, you really did you really believe my Instagram feed that shows me as like being prim and proper? She's like, because nah, that's not me. He, he actually thinks he's going to take her virginity. And she's like, no. My favorite is no virgin would talk like that. And she's no, no one who's had sex would talk like that. You must be a virgin. And she's like, well, I'm not a virgin. So thank you, Mr. Man. <laughs> My only little bit of creepiness in this, I'm like grateful. There was no like, yes, daddy shit. Cause I can't, I I'm so grossed out by that. He calls her my little Persephone all the time. Mm-hmm. And I get that it's like a Dom sub thing and it is not nearly as far as it could have gone. And I recognize that. But, you know, I've never loved infantilizing language with like limited exceptions. And they're it, not usually sex scenes. It did not bother me in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that it was supposed to be like, welcome to my dark world, you sheltered 25-year-old or whatever, but I can do without the, without the, oh, you cute little thing who doesn't know better. (laughs) It was very in character for him. It's just not my thing. Yeah. So um, there is, like we said, there is a sex room that is a theater. Not only that, there is a throne where Hades gets to sit. And Persephone has to sit on his lap the whole time. This reminded me of a couple of different things. It mm-hmm. reminded me actually of A Court of Thorns and Roses. Oh, yes. Reese's uh-huh. Dark Court and yeah. how he has to go perform and how, like, she goes in half naked, basically. Like, if that had escalated. And it reminded me a little bit of something in Pirates of the Caribbean, and now I can't remember what. That's good. Well, uh, you know that I compared Reese and Feyre to Hades and Persephone. So makes total sense. It does. (laughs) So while they're in there, so the sex on the page is not just between Hades and Persephone because we, like them, get to participate in the voyeurism. So there are scenes that it's sexual because she's like on Hades, but then they're basically watching a sex show which is turning her on. It's, it's just very, I mean, it's very sexy. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that. That's on there. I mean, it's very, very, very explicit. Yes. Um, nothing that I would say is shocking. No. Or like really Beyond the pale, I mean, I think the the kinkiest parts were voyeurism and light bondage. Yes. Which yeah, I think any 
yeah, there's no, it, it, yeah, there's no, um, there's no like punishment. There's no um, sadomasochism, um, nothing like that. For all the BDSM like descriptions and keywords and discussions, it really never like no one's ever even tied up. The few times he's like, you can't touch yourself. She just has to hold her own hands above her head. Yeah. I mean, you, there is a couple who gets tied up that they watch. Her obsession with blowjobs even started to grade on me a little. Yeah, you know, my And I'm not usually the one. I'm not usually the one who's like, uh, but like the literally her begging for his cock was a little much for me. Um, And the, I want everyone to see me naked is just not my thing. So for all that, this was like objectively very, very, very hot and explicit. It was not necessarily the sexiest thing I've ever read in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was quite sexy. And if, if you are looking for a book to get you off, this will probably work. I mean, you want to talk about a one-handed breathe. Fits the bell. Oh, tidbit. Do you want to hear a tidbit that I heard um, about how Kitty Roberts writes sex? Which I think is super interesting. Okay. She never specifies. Specifies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Crack myself. <laughs> She never specifies the size of the male member. Because she's like, okay. I want you to have, I want you to be able to imagine it. I don't want it to be like this giant thing because it's, and I personally also have some issues when reading romance because it's always got to be like the biggest cock ever, right? Right. And I think it's kind of cool that she's like, you know, you don't need to write about that in a sex scene. Like you didn't probably didn't even notice that that wasn't mentioned, right? No, I mean, like, I was pretty confident he didn't have a micro penis, but beyond yeah. that. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Um, and- also, I just want to add on in case this is triggering for some people, the blowjob specifically, like, is tears in her eyes situation. Yeah. So, like, it, like, her gagging, not my thing, actually, like, freaked me out a little on the page. So, like, just in case, for in terms of trigger warning, that would be the one, other than just the general, like, this is kind of kinky. Like, she is, like, cr- crying and gagging on his cock. Yeah. She, it's uh, consensual. Oh, yes. She wants to gag on his cock. I, I don't, they're both, I'm sorry. We're both being very deliberate and, like, rolling our eyes and, like, emphasizing yeah, not our thing okay I do want to mention one other thing this is what I wanted to mention so yeah. in passing basically both Persephone and Hades mentioned that they've had relationships sexual relationships with people of, of their same gender in the past mm-hmm. that said it's not going on right now they're going to be monogamous I think this is an interesting choice I wonder how this works right Okay, I'm not saying I I wonder how this works in real life, because I understand that if you are bisexual, even if you enter into a monogamous relationship with someone of the opposite sex, you continue to be a bisexual person. I understand this. I'm wondering about it, how it works in literature. Yeah, so there was a couple of things like it wasn't just that they both casually mentioned being bisexual. People's race is casually mentioned in a way that I felt was very like sore thummy yeah yeah exactly. and like the woman who's participating in bdsm is specifically described as being overweight and like 
in a weird way, like it was fine. I wouldn't like none of it offended me, but it felt a little United Colors of Benetton, but it wasn't just race. It was also yes. sexual orientation and size. And like she had to get in there that there was a diverse cast of characters, even right. though with the exception of both of our main characters being bisexual. Thank you. Yes, that's that's basically it that, that you said it so much better than I could have, Lane. So thank you. Welcome. Um, I think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> Obviously, it stuck out to me, too. Yeah. But um, um, the only other thing I think I, I want to say about that, though, is obviously the actual pantheon was pretty sexually fluid in a lot of ways. And ancient Greek obviously had a very <laughs> different definition of, like, normative sexual relationships. So, like, it didn't bother me. I didn't think it was inconsistent. I wasn't, like, it was... Honestly, the way the author wrote it was very young adult, was very, yeah. I'm going to stick in all of these facts so that it's diverse. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yes. And yes, I mean, their sexualities were like so fluid, man. I mean, Zeus got that girl pregnant with a shower of gold. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> they did a lot of I weird mean, shit. Aphrodite was maybe just born from like a cut off dick in the ocean. Maybe. Who knows? So we're cut off testes. Sorry. <laughs> get it right. <laughs> Got to get it right. Yeah. So um, overall, this is really fun. I'm definitely interested in reading the rest of them. I am interested in how some of the themes continue. Yes. Uh, honestly, if you're interested, if you like sex books and you like Greek mythology, you should pick these up. I'm interested to see too, like this one, the kink was clearly voyeurism. Right. Like, is that, are, are the, each of the books going to have a different kink or are they just not going to be thematic in that way? Like, there's a lot of things going on here that, like, I want to read the second one before passing any real judgment on the series. Yeah. I, I think it's a really cool idea. I think this first book was pretty much successful. Yeah. So I think you should check it out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.